Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. It is so exciting to be invited to a wedding. You get to see people that you haven't seen in some time, eat some great food, hear some great music, and celebrate. Yet as Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding in Cana, Jesus' disciples were in for something more amazing than they ever could have imagined. Jesus' first miracle. As we go through the season of Epiphany, the Sundays after Epiphany now, we're going to be focusing on the wonderful blessings of gathering together. And today, we hear about being together for a miracle. We'll worship using the order of service as it's printed out for you in the worship folder or projected on the wall. Let's begin with our opening anthem.
Please stand. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God, who created us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. pray. Almighty God, you gave your one and only Son to be the light of the world. Grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and believed to the ends of the earth. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for our first lesson. Through Isaiah, God's people learned that they would be sent away from their homeland, from the promised land of Israel, because of their sin. Yet, miracle of miracles, here in Isaiah chapter 62, the Lord says that he would rejoice over his people, just as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You'll be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or your name desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah, and your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. This is the word of our God. We continue with the psalm for today, noting that a soloist will sing verse 1, and it's found on the next page there. Thank you. 
Our second lesson today, which serves as the basis for our sermon, is from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand in honor of the gospel. In the gospel for today, from John chapter 2, we see Jesus' first miracle by which he revealed his glory. We put our faith in him. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be heeded for hymn 714.
the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is so gracious with us, fellow believers in him. The Apostle Paul knew that he was the worst. He had been an obscene, extremely violent man. One time he called himself really the biggest bully on the block, but before he knew that, before God revealed that to him, he was carrying out threats against the church. He was on his way to Damascus to put an end to Christianity. There he was on the way. He retells this story three times in the book of Acts. And in each one of those accounts, he says this. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In each of the three accounts, he talks about this. In each one, he says, he fell to the ground. I picture him sprawled out, laying flat on the ground, looking up, For the first time, seeing the Lord for who he is, seeing Jesus. Now, when somebody lays you low, when there's a higher, more powerful force that lays you down, maybe it's a little bit humiliating if it happens on the basketball court, but here he's seeing the Almighty Lord. Can you imagine? Here he thought he was representing the Lord and was completely in the wrong. He sees the Lord for the first time. He's called on his sin. For the first time seeing that force, he probably thinks, this is the end of me. I'm done for. And Jesus didn't end him. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. There he is, sprawled out on the ground, looking up at the Lord. And for the first time in his life, he realizes exactly what the gift of God is. That God would be gracious to someone like him. The worst, the most obscene, the violent, the persecutor, the blasphemer. And later in his life, as he recounted that, it still brought him to his knees in joyful prayer that Christ would still do this and be this way to him. Us too. Our story is no different. Same sins, same sinners, same quality as what the Apostle Paul was doing before he came to Christ. What Paul describes that to be, what God did for him in our lesson, he calls it strength. Just think about that incredible strength that it takes that no other human being has to take somebody from being a full-fledged sinner to being a saint of God, a holy person, righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. Just think about the power, the strength that's here in this gospel to take somebody from sprawled out in sin where God has him nailed dead to rights to where he lifts them up by grace so that they're on bended knee thanking God in prayer. For the Son of God to do that, to come here to be the servant of sinners and to to endure death on a cross, 
to be that perfect payment for sin so that the wrath of God is not just restrained and held back, but the wrath of God that is rightly due sinners is completely put out so that the only thing that comes through those who have faith, to those who have faith in Jesus, the only thing that comes to them is the grace of God, the mercy of God that they don't deserve. Who of us here wouldn't fall to our knees when we realize that incredible gift that's come to us? That's why Paul championed this. This gospel, this is what Paul championed. This is what he proclaimed, not just for himself, even though he dearly appreciated it for the whole rest of his life. He championed this for you, for me. This is what he wanted to get out to the world. And this is what he was praying about. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Lord, I want them to have more, please. I want them to have more of these glorious riches. I want them to have more of your grace. I want you to continue to lavish this on the people of God and and make more people of God too. If anything, he's praying that you would have a double dose. He says that you would strengthen them with power is what the translation says. But, you know, in a, in a literal way in the Greek, it just says strengthen them with strength. It's, one is static, one is dynamic. Let me explain that. One of the strengths, there's still different words. It's not the same word. One is a static strength. It's like the hammer that's on the pegboard. The, the hammer, as it's hang there, hanging there on the wall, it represents strength. But it's not being used. It's just sitting there. And so he's saying, okay, take this strength that we know you have and strengthen them with it. Give them this dynamic strength. Let it be a hammering hammer. A hammer that's being used. And that's what God does right here. Last Sunday, Pastor Bodie talked all about that with baptism. This is the strength of God through which the Holy Spirit comes and he binds himself to you with strength. That's what God does right here. The vessels for the Lord's Supper aren't here today, but every second and fourth Sunday, that's what God does through the Lord's Supper. He strengthens you with strength. Binding himself to you. That's what God does through preaching. Preaching about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit works miraculously through this message about Jesus and he brings you strength in your inner being. He binds himself with you so that he is there with you. That's why Paul would later say in 2 Corinthians, when I'm weak, I'm strong. When I'm weak in myself, when I I realize I have no strength, apart from the Lord, then I'm strong. He's recognizing God gives strength in this grace for me to stand. Lord, give your people more of that. (laughs) Lavish your glorious riches on them. Let them have this dynamic strength from you. In the past five and a half years as uh, being a pastor in this area, I've come to understand a little bit our reputation among the people around here. And I think St. Paul's, Howard's Grove, is a congregation 
overall has a wonderful reputation among the people here. There, there's a respect from people, even if they are not members here, and a general awareness of our congregation. Every now and then, though, some of the people I talk to say, oh, you're that strict church. You're the strict ones. And sometimes I don't have time to unplug what they mean by that. But if what they mean is we hold to the word of God and we teach the word of God and we teach people to practice their lives in faith in line with the word of God, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that moniker. I, I mean, do you think God really gives strength through sloppiness? Do you think God gives strength through false teaching? Do you think God gives strength apart from this, apart from the Lord's Supper, apart from faithful preaching about Jesus Christ in line with the word? Absolutely not. Do you think God gives strength when you go to St. Mattress with Pastor Pillow? No. There's no strength anywhere else. Why do you think Pastor Bodie and I bend over backwards to strive to strictly bring you God's word as it's written here and not our own worldly opinions? That's why we print the readings in the worship folder for you to double check us, making sure this is God's word. Why do you think we faithfully try to follow up on our, on our wandering sheep from the congregation? Because if you're not around God's strength, if you're missing out on the Lord's Supper, if you're not being baptized or baptizing your children or hearing the word of God and its strength in Jesus Christ, you're not going to have any. What, Pastor Bodie and I are willing to give up the big games, the football games, the whatever personal type stuff. We're willing to schedule private baptisms for those who desire that. Even though our preference is you would do that in the congregation or with the congregation in church, we're willing to meet you there because that's still God's strength. Why do you think we're willing to have private devotions with you and to bring you Christ in those private meetings if you need encouragement in the office or in your own home or if you're still a little bit intimidated or fearful about what's going on and you don't want to have the Lord's Supper as a mass with the rest of the congregation? We'll schedule it privately with you. We will meet you where you're at so that we can bring you the strength that God promises he wants you to have and give. It's that important. Do you really think God gives strength in any other way? He has not promised to. That's what these are a picture of. That's why Lutherans have these in their church services. This, in and of itself, as it sits here, is a picture of static strength. When the vessels are here, it's a picture of static strength. The word of God, as it's here, this is intended to be a picture of static strength. But you know what? I come and I practice my sermons on Saturday night for, for about an hour and then about 45 minutes on the morning of, there's nobody here. I like it that way. 
It does nobody any good when, when nobody's here. It does nobody any good when there's a font with no people being brought. It does nobody any good if the vessels are here and no communicants come to take it and receive the forgiveness of sins. It does nobody any good if there's good preaching, faithful, strictly to the Lord preaching, and nobody's here to hear it. If it's static and not dynamically brought to people, what good is it? God wants us to be strengthened with strength. The goal of these things is that they're brought to you. That it reaches its goal. That the Holy Spirit binds himself to you and fills you up. That's what Paul was on his knees about. Lord, please pour out your glorious riches to them. Bring this to them all the more. Don't let it just be a conversion story. Bring it to them every day of their lives through the means of grace. And when God does, as he works through these things, look at what happens next. It says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. He's talking about when he strengthens you with strength. He's just using different verbs now to emphasize it. When he strengthens you with this, you're rooted and established in love. May have power, there's more strength, together with all the Lord's holy people. So keep in mind, this is not just a private strength. This is only for you here. This is secret from the rest of God's people. That's not what he's saying. This is what the Lord loves to give all of his people. This is what God wants for all Christendom. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So God pours this out on us. He lavishes us with this, strengthens us with strength so that we have roots, so that we're established. And that's exactly what he did for the Apostle Paul that day when he stopped him dead in his tracks. He lifted him up in grace. Then he takes it another step. He says, I, I want you to grasp this. The, the word means to take hold of it, to seize it. So when God fills you with strength, he's looking for us to grab hold of that love that he so freely and generously pours out on us. And then, this, this is not the perfect illustration, but I think it can work. I look at it as a tug of war, but the, the problem is it's not a tug of war where you're working against your enemy. It's almost like it's a tug with the Lord because he's on your side and God wants you to tug more. And so he goes, tug, tug on this grace in any direction. Go ahead, Pull on it from the depths. And you're, you're never going to stop pulling. Because it's bottomless. Go ahead, pull on the beanstalk from the top down. See, see if you can pull that beanstalk down. And it's going to keep going. Let's look at the width and the breadth. Go ahead, pull in any direction. When God pours out his grace on you and strengthens you with this and, and he leads you to grab hold of this, it leads you to want more. And it just keeps going and going. It's limitless, endless love. As Paul prays for God to pour out these glorious riches on you, you can't exhaust them. Instead, 
with all of these riches that he pours out on you, the grace of God, it fills you to the measure of the fullness of God. It's a neat, neat picture. It doesn't mean you become God or you ascend to the level of God. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the fullness of God fills you to the measure that we, humanly speaking, can be filled to. Let me put it this way. I've talked to a couple of people who have lost loved ones in the last year, and I know they were very, very busy taking care of their loved ones while they were alive on earth. And I would say, I said, how are you doing? Well, Pastor, my schedule was so full while they were alive, caring for them, meeting them, taking care of errands, this and that. But now that they're in heaven, you know, my, my time's open, my time's available. I haven't quite figured out my schedule yet. It's just different things. Apply that to what God is saying here, <clears throat> to be filled to the full measure of God. When God baptizes you into Christ, when he fills you with his love regularly in the Lord's Supper, when he builds you and establishes you by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it fills you up when you have a regular diet of these things. According to the word, he fills you to the measure of his fullness. Now, now what happens then if you don't bring yourself or your kids to baptism? What happens if you don't regularly come to the Lord's Supper and it's been six months or it's been a year? There's some people in our congregation who haven't had the Lord's Supper since the pandemic started, still trying to work with them. What happens if it's been two years since the Lord's Supper or more? What happens if your diet of the Word of God is three months, every six months, every Christmas and Easter? What's going to happen to that fullness? God's not filling you up. He's not strengthening you with strength. Do you think there aren't going to be ramifications to this? I mean, it's not necessarily going to be physical. You're not going to notice, wow, I'm hurting today. But it's that gradual loss of that grace of God as it slips away and you don't even realize it. But what happens is God leads you back to grab hold of it again, to be regular in confessing your sin and receiving God's grace. What happens is he fills you up with this message about Christ. Do you know what that looks like? As he fills you you to the full measure of the fullness of God. Somebody who's confident in their salvation. Somebody who's not swayed by what's going on in the world, but they know their sins are forgiven. No matter if they're the worst kind of sins. That they know God, our Father, is our dear Father who loves us. And that no matter what happens in life, he is leading us through this life to eternal life. Because we have his riches. We're grounded. We're rooted. We're confident. And nothing pushes us over and pushes us out of the grace of God. The one thing all of this grace doesn't do for us, it doesn't stop our sinful nature. It doesn't stop sin from being inside of us. The Holy Spirit just partners with us. It doesn't stop sin necessarily from coming out of us. And it certainly doesn't stop the sin from other people from impacting us. 
and the way this world works and the weird way it continues to go, persecution is going to keep coming. And all of these things, whether that or whether you're standing right before a coffin, everything this world has, what it seeks to do is to empty you, to tear you down. And the day may come where you find yourself sprawled out right on the ground. You know what you need? To see Jesus, just like the Apostle Paul did that day. And to see the incredible grace of God, that in Jesus Christ, he doesn't end us. Instead, he leads us to see this incredible love that comes right here, that's limitless for you. And it lifts us up. It lifts us up to stand firm in this grace and to desire it all the more. And it just might lead you, like it did the Apostle Paul, to bend your knee and to thank God in unending praise and to ask for more. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, our maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would shield us from every kind of danger, sudden catastrophe, terrors of crime, and the pain of disease. Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. Bless our land, our people, and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools upright and strong for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations, that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being.
Holy Spirit, we praise you for your washing of rebirth and renewal given to Hadley Shelk later this morning. Help her to rejoice in her baptism. Help her parents to raise her in your word and keep her close to Christ all her days. Jesus, you are the good shepherd who laid down your life for the sheep and took it back up again. Thank you for delivering Janet Bitter to eternal life last Sunday night. Give to her family and to all who mourn your peace, refreshment for their souls, and confidence in dark, death's dark valley. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the healthy birth of Joanna Jeanette Bromstead, born to Luke and Megan this past week. Please bless this family and graciously grant little Joanna your salvation through holy baptism next weekend. And Lord Jesus, please watch over Pastor Miller as he deliberates his call to St. John's in Minneapolis and also the campus ministry, True North, there. We praise you for the gift of the ministry uh, through which you sustain people through word and sacrament. Please bless Pastor Miller's deliberations and lead him to peace with his decision for your glory and the good of your people. Heavenly Father, please also watch over the sister of Anne Ostring. Uh, her sister has been going through some serious respiratory condition and has a mass in her lung. Please bless the testing. If it be your will, let it not be uh, as serious as, as it could be. Please grant healing and recovery according to your will as well. And in Jesus' name, uh, we bring these requests before you in the name of our Lord Jesus and ask you to hear us. Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for our next hymn, 611.
Please stand. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Morning, everyone. Great to have all of you here, and a special welcome to guests and visitors. Please worship the Lord with us again. A couple of announcements for you. There is a Bible study this morning for teens, as well as for adults. The adults are in the gymnasium. I would assume teens are in the commons area. Uh, please join us for that if you can. A new Bible information class. I'm going to start January 25th, Tuesday night at 6:30. If you're interested in joining, we're nearing about the 15 mark. Some are members already. Uh, just want a refresher, and uh, some are new. I still have some more phone calls to make to line some people up or ask if they're interested this time around, so possible to get close to 20, which would be really, really neat. Uh, but you can talk to me about that if you're interested. One of the uh, big items is there's an open forum next week, Sunday, a uh, week from today, during the Bible study hour, so no adult Bible study next Sunday. Uh, but the purpose of that open forum is to talk through the financials for the possible upcoming building project. And so the leaders have done a lot of their work. They'd like to present to you some of the banking stuff and things that they've discovered, as well as they have a couple of mock renderings of the exterior so far of the potential building. I know they were still trying to get some internal renderings too, but I, I think they'll show that too. And then, of course, it's an open Q&A that we'll be able to talk about any further questions you might have. Uh, then I did receive a divine call to serve St. John's uh, Minneapolis. Uh, combined with that, it looks like there's a college ministry with it too called True North. Uh, I don't know if I, I read somewhere there's about 22 universities or something in that area, so it's, 
kind of being the campus pastor for all of those college students. So I appreciate your prayers and would love your input too. If you'd like to talk personally or send me an email, either way, or give me a phone call too. Uh, almost missed one, Brooke. B-team girls. <clears throat> this year, we didn't have enough girls, <clears throat> so we combined with Trinity Keel. So that joint team has their Manitowoc Lutheran Tournament, and today they play in the championship game. So congrats to Brooke and to the team. Those are the announcements I have. Anything to further add from you for today or the week ahead? Yeah? I'll be selling silent option tickets in the back um, after service if you haven't gotten yours yet. So silent auction tickets, if anybody's interested in that, you can uh, uh, meet her in the back. Anything else? Not seeing anything? Please greet one another and God's blessings to all of you. See you later.